0: All right, I think I'm on. All right, I'm going to have you, uh, before we get started, just turn to Psalm 73. Because once we go to reading it, it's not going to be up on the screen. The individual verses will be up there. But uh, when Pastor Greg asked me to preach today, I immediately thought of this psalm, Psalm 73, because it's helped me so much over the years. It still, still helps me. It's helping me this morning, so I hope it's, helpful to you today. We're going to do one thing different today. Well, probably a lot of things different because Greg won't be here. I won't (laughs) be walking around as much as he does. I'm going to stick really close to my notes. But uh, one thing different, uh, at the end I'm going to ask you to turn to someone around to you uh, and share like your main takeaway from this. So you have to pay attention. (laughs) Uh, You have to stay awake. But that, that will give me a chance to get this unhooked and Go hook up that. So there's there's a method to it. Um, but let's pray and then we'll dive in. Uh, Lord God, we thank you so much for your word, God. We thank you so much for the way that encourages, it encourages us and we do confess we do get discouraged at times and out of sorts at times, but you're faithful to, to bring us back to you and, and pray that you'd help us this morning, pray that you would speak to each one of us individually this morning and and help us to grow in you, help us to realize the treasure we have in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you're comfortable standing, let's stand And just in honor of God's word, and uh, I will read this. It's long, but it's good, okay? Psalm 73 from the ESV. It says, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me... My feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know? Is there any knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. <clears throat> all in vain, I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence for all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, "I will speak thus," I would have been betrayed. I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went to the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was a beast towards you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterwards you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of your word. Amen. Have a seat. <clears throat> so good stuff in there. So the Psalms are a collection of 150 poems, as you probably know. And God's people used to use them in the wor- in their worship services as their songs. Song Psalms is a great big song book. We still use the Psalms today to help us grow in him and this is a psalm of Asaph and Asaph was a guy who was uh, put in charge of the service of song in the house of the Lord so David appointed him with that so I can relate to him he was he was like the music guy leading the songs right <clears throat> and writing this poem writing this psalm so let's let's start in in verse one verse one says truly God is good to Israel those who are pure in heart, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. So Asaph was a guy that obviously loved the Lord, he was serving God, he was writing scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit to write scripture, but he got himself into a bad place spiritually. He said, my feet had nearly slipped, he said he'd almost stumbled in his faith. Sometimes that happens to us. I know it happens to me. I get myself into a spiritual hole. I get myself discouraged and, and doubting at times. And there's been times, seasons in my life where my faith has started to erode rather than to, to grow. And that's not good, right? But sometimes the difficulties of life just overwhelm us. Things get really, really hard sometimes and we start to question. We start to struggle. So, you know, sometimes... The difficulties of life can even cause us to be disappointed with God. Maybe God hasn't come through for you in the way that you had hoped He would. Uh, Maybe you have suffered some injustice that's been difficult. I know my wife and I have been going through a difficult season with that, and it's painful. Uh, Maybe God hasn't healed you like you hoped that He would, or maybe He hasn't healed a loved one like you hoped. Uh, Maybe you have invested in a relationship that's painfully come apart and you're still picking up the pieces, right? Maybe you're lonely. Maybe your kids aren't following the Lord. There's just a whole host of things. uh, All kinds of ways that we can start to feel like God has let us down, right? So uh, if we don't take the initiative to, to work through those things, process those things, it can really damage our relationship with Him, causes even more pain. We don't want that, right? So uh, if you're dealing with something like that today, I hope that this helps you. I hope that this psalm can help you process through those things and, and come out in a better place on the other side. So in, in Asaph's case, it was this, and I'm just going to summarize with three verses that kind of summarize what he was struggling with. He says in verse 3, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then down in verse 5, he said, They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. And then last in verse 12, he said, Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. Right? So what was Asaph's problem there? He was he was focused in on, on the wicked. He was envious. Focusing his attention on godless people, so point one is this: very simply, be careful not to focus on godless people. That's where we—that's not where we want to have our mind and our thoughts focused. Um, he's Asaph is like wanting some of what they have, even though they were sinful. It sounds bad, but we do it right sometimes. We're we're envious. He says uh, they are not in trouble as others are. And sometimes that's the kind of deception that we can get from, from social media, right? You're, you're scrolling through, and it always seems like everybody's eating at fancy restaurants and drinking colorful drinks by the pool that's by the ocean, you know, and, and you just think, wow. But, you know, that's not everyday reality. That's not typical day to day life for most people. Everybody has various problems. You know that don't show up, they don't post on social media typically, everybody has a bad hair day once in a while, and they don't they don't send those pictures out there right unless unless you're uh boris Johnson Boris Johnson doesn't care about his hair. he just goes ahead and grabs the camera and the microphone um so but we we do we tend to get our thoughts focused in the wrong place think others have it better than us and that our lives are lame in some way and if you focus your thought life on godless people and the good times that they seem to be having right it, you're just going to make yourself miserable right it's just not helpful and yet we still do it sometimes we can't help but notice what people are doing but we don't have to dwell on it and asaph here is is dwelling on it most of the first 16 verses right he's really having trouble with it But, uh, you know, if you think about it, there's plenty for us to do and to think about other than focusing on the godless people. And we'll talk about some remedies for this thinking later on in the message, but let's move on to verse 13. Asaph says, All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. So there's a couple uh, things going on here with Asaph. First of all, he's, He's like comparing himself, right? So point two is this, to beware of the comparison trap, uh, thinking my life is so hard and they have it so easy. Right? The Apostle Paul said this about some of his critics in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12. He said, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. All right? We've all got different gifts and we've all got different abilities. God has created us all differently. We all have different IQs. You know, some people are just naturally very intelligent. They can accomplish a lot really quickly, and uh, most people don't operate at that level. Right? So it's really un- unwise to be comparing ourselves. We can all like work hard, try to learn new things, which we should be doing. We can all try to better ourselves, uh, but we, we should also be content with the deck that we've been dealt. Right? Psalm 139.14 uh, says this, and this has really helped me. It says uh, The psalmist says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are all your works, and my soul knows it very well,' right? It's good to be thankful and praise God for, for the way that He's made us rather than discouraging ourselves by comparing ourselves with others. We've all been placed in different situations we've all uh We're, we're just called to be faithful uh, with what we have and to be faithful to grow where God has planted us you now there's There's always someone that's got it better than you do, right. And But if you think about it, there's always many people that that you have things way better than they do, right? So there's always more people in great difficulty that would love to have your life. But comparing yourself with someone else is not helpful. Our job is just to compare ourselves with God's Word. We look at God's Word, find hopefully encouragement there, also find places where we, we fall short, and when we do, we just repent of that, turn to Him, and. Thank him for his son Jesus that has died in our place and forgiven us and given us new life and given us grace uh, to go forward. And we just ask for his power to do better in the future. We're thankful that we're still deeply loved apart from our appearance or our accomplishments. Theodore Roosevelt said, Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison is the thief of joy. A lot of truth to that. So, along with the comparison trap comes the self pity trap. So, point three is this: be careful not to sink into self pity. Not to sink into self pity. We heard Asaph saying, "All in vain, I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I have been stricken, and rebuked every morning." So, like after focusing on the wicked and after comparing himself. To them now, he's like spiraling down into into self pity, and it sounds dumb. <laughs> it sounds dumb for ASAP to do it. It's easy to criticize him, but I do that kind of stuff. You know, I struggle with those things, especially in the morning for me. Like I wake up with just a bad attitude, and it just takes me a while to get my thinking straightened around and and uh, um, really renew my mind and, and get my thoughts right. Uh, Oswald Chambers says this, and this is a great quote. Uh, It says, beware of allowing self-consciousness to continue because by slow degrees it will awaken self-pity. And self-pity is satanic. So, you know, strong words there from from Oswald, but I think the reason he's saying that is because when you're you're engaging in self-pity, you can start to become self-deceived. You can uh, start to overlook the good way that God's made you, and the good things He's given you, and forget that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, uh, you know, if you look at Asaph's statement uh, here where he says, All in vain I have kept my heart clean, and washed my hands in innocence, that's not completely true. You know, it's not in vain that he's been obedient to God. It's not in vain that he's tried to be faithful to God. 1 Corinthians 15.58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, knowing that your labor is not in vain right? so when we when we serve the lord when we when we do good for him, when we keep ourselves pure it's it's not in vain, asaph is letting his self-pity do the talking for him, not doing him any good self- pity' just dragging them down, right? And Now, all that said, okay, we've been criticizing Asaph a lot, but it is good and helpful to express our feelings to God. You know, when we're feeling some of these things, we just don't want to stuff those feelings and say, oh, I shouldn't be feeling that, I shouldn't be thinking that. We need to process those things so there's a balance there somewhere, right? Um I feel like it's good to say, you know, God, I really feel like you've let me down here. What's going on? You know, it's good to have those conversations in prayer. It's okay to say, "How long will I suffer?" This Lord, uh, help me understand why you're what you're doing and why I'm suffering. Right? And I encourage you to have those conversations in prayer. Work through those things. Pray those things when you need to. One thing Asaph is doing well here is. He is working through these his struggles with God, right? If you think about it, he's writing a poem about it uh, under the inspiration of the scripture or the Holy Spirit. He's writing a poem about it, writing a song about it to help him process so that's a great thing to do, journaling, writing, even songwriting, and that is uh the language of the psalms, right people crying out to God for their difficulties and disappointments, but we just don't want to be stuck. Toddling those things forever or making a habit of it. we don't want to be stuck there so much that it's damaging. Verse 16, he says, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Because right? it's exhausting to try to figure out why wickedness is, seems to be reigning, seems to be prospering and allowed to flourish and why the weak and defenseless are suffering on so many fronts. So hard to think about those things, and you know the current events the news of the day is filled with this right it's filled with the stuff of this chapter, and that wasn't wasn't planned by me because I picked this weeks ago, uh not thinking about the current events at all, but it's very real it can get discouraging even just watching the news so oftentimes there are no easy answers, but then something changes asap's outlook on life, in verse seventeen he says Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin, how they are destroyed in a moment and swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. So he went into the sanctuary. Sanctuary is the holy place where God's people gather for worship. So for us, this this is the sanctuary. Right? We come here. Um, when Asaph got to the sanctuary of God, he was able to get some valuable perspective. And so, point four is this: we need the sanctuary of God. We need the sanctuary of God. In the sanctuary, he was able to see things from God's point of view. Right? Uh, he was able to see. The outcome of the wicked life and kind of contrast that with the outcome of the faithful life uh, in in the big picture, right not just in a snapshot because sometimes we take a snapshot of a week or a month or a year and it seems like the wicked are prospering, the righteous are suffering, but that will not always be the case in the big picture. You recognize that God's enemies won't get away with anything forever. and that's true. And as believers, you know, we don't wish destruction on sinners. We pray that God would turn their hearts and bring them to repentance. Pray that God would save them. Pray that they would be spared. Uh, But if they resist for long enough, um, there will be a reckoning that is coming. And that's sobering, should be sobering for us. Because if you think about it, we deserve the same judgment that the wicked Yet, we were all once enemies of God. God had mercy on us. So we pray for the wicked, pray that they would turn to God. We come back and fall in love with God and escape that judgment. So it appears that Asaph has started to drift from the God who loves him, but in the sanctuary he was able to find a remedy for all of that, like disillusionment, discouragement, and bad attitude. In the sanctuary, he was able to be restored into a loving and faith-filled relationship with God the Father, and that's what we're after. In verse 21, he said, When my soul was embittered, when when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. I've I've been there, you know, sort of angry with God, upset with what's going on, even complaining against him because I was so disappointed or so hurt. And if we let our disillusionment and dis- disappointment go unprocessed, it can turn to bitterness, right? We really don't want that. Asaf Asaf here at this point, he's repenting of that bitterness. He's turning away from that, turning back to the Father. Verse 23 says, "Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you receive me to glory. Right? So that's the good news. And Asaph is he's starting to practice what we just learned about in Colossians. This is Colossians 3, 2-4. It says, Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. So we have the sanctuary. We have this place for Sunday mornings. We have verses like those in Colossians 3 for Monday through Saturday. when right? We need them all through the week. Every day we need to be setting our minds on the things of God. Uh, point five is this. Setting our minds on the things above will help restore our joy. Setting our minds on the things above will help restore our joy. The battle uh, for a close and intimate walk with God is won or lost in your mind. Right? It's, it's won or lost right upstairs. Uh, and so if you don't hear anything else in this message, hear this, hear this next point. Um, when we feel ourselves... And you feel yourself like sinking into that discouragement or sinking into that frustration or sinking into that sadness or sorrow. Uh, you know those, those things are warning signs that we need to change our mental focus. We need to get it back on God. We need to start giving thanks for the blessings that He has given us, right? Rather than being in the mode where we complain about everything that's wrong and I'm preaching to myself because I do this, uh, we just need to turn and start giving thanks for everything that God has blessed us with, and uh, it's not—it's not a hard step. You know, you don't have to have your Bible open, you don't have to have your commentaries handy. It's just a matter of starting to give thanks, starting to give thanks for the blessings that you do have. Uh, everything, from small things to big things, can really uh, change your attitude. Of course, we can always go to the go to the Word and. Meditate on that whenever that's possible as well. Uh, Verse 25, he says, um, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. God is our only eternal hope. He has a joyful future in store for us. And honestly, sometimes it's hard to say what Asaph says when he says, There's nothing on earth I desire besides you you know cuz there's pretty cool stuff down here and sometimes we sometimes we push God away to to uh you know do other things um but you know the older i get the more i realize that you know there's there's nothing down here that compares to what God has for us you know in the glory of his kingdom that we will experience um and it's okay to enjoy things down here Give thanks to God for the things that He's given us to enjoy. We should enjoy God's gifts and give Him praise. But the stuff on earth never fully satisfies. You know, it never it never satisfies like it like you think it would when you're looking at it online or when you're looking at it in the magazine. I think that's on purpose because number six, this world is not our home. Right? This world is not our home. This is not our ultimate destination. Uh, Philippians. 17-21 says this Brothers, join in me in imitating me. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Right? So he's calling them to keep their eyes focused on the faithful people, not on the wicked. He's going to describe the wicked here in verse 18 when he says, For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. You see the contrast of the mindset there. The wicked have their minds set on earthly things. And then verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body with the power that enables Him even to subject subject all things to Himself. So this world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. Our bodies will be transformed to a glorified state one day. And I'm really looking forward to that more and more. You know, that's going to be a That's going to be an awesome day. Ed will have his hearing back, right? He'll have perfect hearing again, and all will be made right. And we have that to look forward to. Hebrews thirteen fourteen in NLT says, "For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Looking forward to that day." Back in Psalm seventy three verse twenty six. Uh, Asaph says, "My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever." So we we will struggle with things down here. Um, sometimes we'll fail, but God will strengthen us. He'll help us grow. He is our portion forever. He is He is the sum total of our inheritance for all eternity what portion means there. He's the sum total of our inheritance for all eternity. His face is going to be our son. Look forward to those days. Um, verse 27, Aesop says, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of your work. So keep focused on the blessings that you have in Christ. And know this, number seven, nearness to God is the greatest blessing that we can have on this earth. Nearness to God is the greatest blessing that we can have on this earth. Being close to God is what helps us pass all the discouraging circumstances. It helps us over all the disillusionment that we get helps us past all the injustices that we experience, helps us through the pain. A place close to God is the only vantage point that provides the right perspective in this life. Nearness to God is the sweet spot where we find peace and joy and hope for the future. I just want to encourage you, make make God your refuge, make Him your hiding place. Go to Him when things are difficult, turn your mind towards Him when you're struggling. Make Him your hiding place as you wait for His return. Amen. So let's let's pray and let's thank the Lord. Uh, Lord God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms where psalmists are honest and they express their feelings and they process them before you and you. Oftentimes breakthrough uh, with encouragement, which is what you're always so faithful to do. We thank you for all the things in your word that are so encouraging to us and I uh, just pray you'd help anyone that's downhearted or struggling god to to turn to you and God we just pray for this whole world god that your your gospel would go forward, that people would be humbled and they would turn to you and believe and that you would build your kingdom. And we thank you for this loving uh, expression of your body here at Darby Creek. And thank you for the way that uh, we help each other. We just praise you for that and pray you be glorified in all that we do. Jesus. Is. Amen.